Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Today's message is Ecclesiastes Continues. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. So we are, we are going to continue to, to look and, and power through the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, just the introduction to Ecclesiastes that we went over last week, um, it's, it's heavy stuff, and it, it's not easy stuff, and it's things that we don't like to hear. Um, you know, you're, uh, you're not going to hear the, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes used in many motivational speakers, right? That's not going to be the topic. But one of the things that I love about the book of Ecclesiastes is it, it gives a, a, a black and white picture of, of what the world is, right? Now, part of that is that the world is not black and white. But it gives a, a, an unfiltered version of, hey, this is life. And if you try to live in anything other than the reality of life, guess what? You're, you're going to be missing it. You know, and, and uh, to me, it, it makes sense. And it's something that we don't like today. But I would rather know the, the, the true situation I'm in in order to overcome it, even if that situation is not ideal than to be told that you're in an ideal situation, right? Like, and sometimes I think we, we've gotten to a place where we kind of like to be lied to. Like, no, just tell me everything's fine, right? You know, and, and, this, and you see this all the time. There are people who, talking about going to the doctor, who won't go to the doctor because maybe they're scared that they have cancer, right? And they don't want to know. And I understand that. I mean, I, I understand where that come, comes from. But guess what? You can't do anything about it. You can't figure out how you're going to fight it if you don't know it exists. And that's kind of what the book of Ecclesiastes is like. It's like laying out, no, here's life. <laughs> and it's, it's chasing after the wind. There's a lot of meaninglessness in life when it comes down to it. But you need to know that so that the, you can truly find meaning. And, uh, and so that's, that's one of the important things about going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And I just want to encourage you to, to hang in there. And, you know, because the book of Ecclesiastes on itself doesn't really, it doesn't have just a wonderful ending where at the end it says, okay, now here's how everything's going to be wonderful, right? It, it still, it stays in that reality. Now the rest of the Bible is talking about no, you can have abundant joy, right? That you can find all of that. But Ecclesiastes is really laying it out for us. And, and so as we continue to, to go through that, uh, keep that in mind, that, that this is not easy stuff, and, it's, and it can be things that, that kind of make us upset. We really, it's like, no, that's, that's, you know, why has it been so negative? Well, because it's being brutally honest, <laughs> Right? And, and so we're going to read quite a bit today, um, uh, more than I usually read, but we're going to uh, start at the end of chapter 1, so in verse 12, and, uh, and this, is, this is just some really important stuff that uh, Solomon is, is writing about, and, and so now you can really hear that this is from Solomon's experience, that, that he, you know, last week we talked about how life is meaningless, it's chasing after the wind. And so now Solomon, who was very wise, 
right? You, uh, and, and he was known for his wisdom. So he, he basically was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. Why is life meaningless? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, go and try to find out um, how to find meaning in life. And so starting in chapter 1, verse 12, it says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jer- Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless and chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned this too, is chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. All right, so let's stop there for a minute. What is he saying? Again, heavy stuff, but man, vital and vital to the time that we're in right now. Because I love what he says. It says, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. And then he says, the more, uh, with more wisdom comes more sorrow. What I think he's saying there is because as he's gotten more wise, he realizes the truth of that statement. That's what's crooked can't be straightened. And that is kind of a bummer, right? And, and I, I think that's important. And, and we... We need to be careful here because this doesn't mean that we can't make things better, that things can't be made to, to work better, to be more efficient, to be safer, things like that. But you cannot straighten out the evilness that is present in this world. It is going to be there. One of the things that I, I feel that is happening right now is because... We're in a place that is unprecedented in history as far as how safe we are. Uh, our society is, is a society that despite uh, the racism that still exists, despite um, you know, uh, things like that, this is the most welcoming society. This is the friendliest society to people who are different. Um, and, and that is measurable. But we keep focusing on the th- things that, that, oh, there's still evidence that things are not right. Yes, because that's part of the crookedness of the world. There's always going to be a level of racism. There's always going to be a level of discrimination. There's always going to be a level of hate. Unfortunately, that can't be straightened out. Right? It can be made better because it has been made better. Right? And it doesn't mean that we don't stop trying to make it better. But listen, there's always going to be some of that. Right? It's kind of like, and, and Jesus even talked about, you will always have the poor with you. There is no way to eliminate all inequity. Right? That's just part of, of this human experience. Okay, are there better systems that make it more equitable for people? Of course, obviously, history has told us that. But I feel that we're kind of in a dangerous place where where we are comparing our current situation with a utopia that does not exist. And and the danger with doing that is that 
you never are satisfied. And in fact, you're always more frustrated. Because whenever you look at a utopia where there's, there's no hatred, no discrimination, no, no inequity, everything is perfect, then you make all of these provisions and laws and, and things to, to make that happen, and you can theoretically make it happen. And then when it doesn't, you're like, what's wrong? Why is this not working? And you get really frustrated, and sometimes you can't see that, man, you've made a lot of progress. Right? And that's kind of what Solomon is talking about here. Is like, man, the wiser I've got getting, the more I realize, man, the, we can't straighten everything out. Right? And, and that, that's an important aspect for us to remember. Then he continues on. He says he tests this theory. <laughs> he tests everything. So in, uh, this is in chapter 2. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted, planned vineyards. I made gardens and, and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male, female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and, and provinces. I acquired male and female singers in the harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I decide, denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. This is this is really fascinating stuff. It is really interesting, and it's, there's so much truth here. And because so he basically is saying, "Hey, I did anything that I wanted, right? I I did anything." And and the, this is an important aspect. He did gain some pleasure from it, right? That's one thing I think sometimes we uh, trying to convince people that they need God is we tell them, man, you're not going to find joy or happiness or pleasure out in the worldly things. No, you, you will. You can. But it's limited. <laughs> and at some point in your life, you're going to get to that place where you say, wow, it's still kind of meaningless. Right? And here, here's the hard part with that is there's very few people who are going to be honest enough to share that with you, right? And just think about it. If you, if you, did, if, if you weren't putting God in the picture and you were just exploring, trying to find meaning and purpose uh, in, with a worldly way, and you spend your whole life doing it, and then at the end, you're like, well, that, that didn't fulfill me. I still don't find purpose. That's going to be really hard to admit <laughs> and to really come out and tell people, Man, I was wrong my whole life, right? My whole life was meaningless. And so, and this is an unprovable statement, and so I don't like those kind of things, but I, I think that, <laughs> that it is very true 
And no one's going to admit that they've spent and wasted their entire life. No one wants to die with believing that, man, my life was meaningless. And so then we convince ourselves and we tell ourselves, no, there was still some meaning there, right? But there's ultimately not. And Solomon, he was realizing that. He's like, I had it all. But yet, life still ultimately wasn't providing meaning. Moments of pleasure, yes. Fun things, yes. Right? And this is, I mean, I think all of us have probably experienced this. Don't you, don't you have that, and maybe you were, that person in college who went and uh, they, didn't, they went to college for the party experience, right? And, uh, and how many of them at some point in college were having all kinds of fun by all the outside measures, but if you were a friend of theirs, they said, man, I, just, I don't really want to go out this weekend, but that's kind of what it's expected for me to do. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? Most people have glimpses of honesty within that. <laughs> and they're realizing, hey, I'm living the, the life I, everybody tells me I'm supposed to live, but still it's not really all that fulfilling, right? That's the dirty little secret. And we don't like to really talk about that. Solomon continues, says, then I turned, this is in verse 12, then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom. So he's, he's done all these other things. Now he's, now he's turning his thoughts on, okay, I'm a very wise guy. I'm a very smart guy. So maybe that's where I find meaning. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better, better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fools walk in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Isn't that interesting? Right? Yeah, it's better to be wise. And you know what? There's a lot of wise people out there who aren't following God. And so this, the fate ultimately is the same. It says, then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Now he's going to kind of flesh that out of why this is all meaningless. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all their toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Man, this is brutal honesty, isn't it? Brutal honesty. And, and it's those things that we don't like to think of because it kind of puts a bummer on things. It's like, oh, why, why am I out there digging a stupid post hole? Right? It's meaningless. 
right? And in the grand scheme of things, it truly is. And, and it's important for us to get to that place where we do understand that our meaning and our purpose and our happiness is not going to be based in any of that. And I, I just want to talk about some of the things that he mentioned. He mentioned wisdom. You know, if you think that you, you are a brilliant person and can see situations and, and can, uh, can understand things better than most people, that's great. That's a wonderful tool. But man, it's not going to lead you to fulfillment. There are a lot of very wise and brilliant people who are miserable. Right? You know, he talks a lot about that he built great projects and personal monuments. Right? This is interesting. And, and you know, sometimes we read this kind of stuff and we, we just kind of compartmentalize it to, to that time frame. So let's move this to what we do. Because I want to say most of you haven't built a statue of yourself. Or if you have, you probably don't want to admit that out loud. Right? And, and, and it, but but we, we do these things. We do things to honor and to bring glory. And sometimes we, we kind of veil it with humility. Right? But, uh, but we do it. Here's the, just look at social media. Right? And by the way, whenever I say social media, I know most of our minds go, oh, that young generation, they are addicted to social media. I don't follow anyone under the age of 25 on any of my social media stuff. So all I see are people 25 and older. And you know what social media is? It is just a self-glorification. Even whenever you're, even whenever you're saying bad things, Many times it's to get sympathy. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with using social media. But we have to be careful with it. Are we doing it just to kind of build monuments to ourselves? And listen, people know this. So, and, and you can, the statistics or the research is out there. Whenever Facebook was started, they realized that by putting a like button, that whenever you posted something and someone uh, hit like, that it actually releases a chemical, dopamine, in your mind. Which dopamine is kind of that stuff that makes you feel a little bit better. Right? Which is, is normal. That's good. We should feel better when someone gives us a compliment. Right? The problem is, is they figured out, man, we do this, and then people get a like, and they're like, oh, someone cares about me. And they like the feeling. And then all of a sudden, you're posting all kinds of things in order to get likes. Right? Isn't that building personal monuments to ourselves? Yeah, basically. Right? It's doing those things and, and uh, doing projects that, will, that in, in a way will bring us glory. Right? And again, there was nothing wrong with what Solomon did. The building and things like that. There's nothing wrong with, with social media in of itself. But whenever it becomes a tool that that's where you're finding your worth and that you're relying on that in order to give you purpose, you are one step away from crashing and burning. We see it all the time. We see Solomon talking about seeking power. And he talks about slaves and, and all of this, which 
Man, we can get into all kinds of things. That was the world. <laughs> that, that was it back then. He, he, he got slaves. Because why? That was power. He's powerful over people. We think that now we think, oh man, we would never have slaves. And, and we wouldn't with our sensibilities. We would not do that. But all of us look for places to find power over other people. You know, and, and so many times when we talk about power, we think about the top 1%, right? And we take, think about our political leaders. And yeah, you don't have to look very deeply to see how power corrupts, right? But that same corruptive power that we see on the upper levels applies in the lower levels as well to all of us peons. Right? We all will search for ways that we can use power. You see this? This is where abuse comes in in, in the family. right? And typically, it's the, the yeah, husband abusing the children. What, what's one of the, the root causes of that? It's power. It's exerting that power over someone, right? We also see this in other ways, not just to bash on men here, and men do this as well, but you know what? Whenever We live in a culture where people use manipulation a lot to manipulate people to do what they want. We see this in sitcoms all the time of the wife manipulating the husband to get what she wants. What is that doing? That is using power right we're all kind of addicted to that i've seen this in church especially in churches that have lots of committees is a is you'll get people that in their in their jobs they basically have very little real power right they just have to do what they're told they get on a church committee and all of a sudden they have power and man they wield it and you're like oh my gosh who is this person because we're all, we're all kind of struggle because we all think if I just had a little bit more power and if I had just a little bit more control, then life would be better and I would be finding meaning, right? And that's why whatever social standing you are, you're always kind of jealous of the, the group right above you because you think, hey, they have a little bit more power and they're happier. And so if I had a little bit more power, then I would be happier. That is garbage stuff, and it will just keep you miserable. You know, and some of the things that he talked about, he talked about amassing wealth, right? How much time and energy do we spend amassing wealth? And, and I would say, I know everyone in here, and there's no one in here that's in the, the top, top, top bracket that just has generational wealth, right? But we have people all along the spectrum. And all of us, if you think about it, most of our time is spent amassing that. <laughs> right? And that's, that's okay. That, that's part of our job. That's part of how the world works. That's, that's all right. But man, how many people make that their lifelong goal? Is I want to amass more and more. And if I don't have enough, well, I need to get to that next level. You know, I, one of the craziest stories ever. You know, we, uh, we glorify... Uh, especially in sports, we glorify certain coaches and things like this who have lots of success. Those people are unhealthy, right? They spend 15 hours a day in, you know, co coaching football, right, <laughs> or whatever. And they may be great at it and have unbelievable success, but it is not healthy. Jimmy Johnson, who is r 
responsible for the Cowboys uh, Super Bowl run in the 90s. He was at the University of Miami, and, uh, and he was very successful at the University of Miami. He got the job for the Dallas Cowboys. And this is crazy. And he said this. I actually looked it up to verify, make sure it's not fake news. And uh, he, he actually told his wife when he got it, he said, I had to make the decision, the Dallas Cowboys or my wife. And he chose the Dallas Cowboys. And what he said was in college, in the University of Miami, in the college setting, it was beneficial with all the functions and things like that that you do as a, on a college campus to, to, for, to have a wife, right? In the pros, he didn't have time for that. He divorced his wife when he became coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, that is going all in on amassing wealth and power and fame, right? And he, he's come out later and he said, you know, it probably wasn't the best thing. I, I think he, he does realize that. But that's what the world does to you, right? It may, and and that's, that's craziness. But it makes, that's what the world is trying to convince us. This is where you find purpose. It's mentioned in there talking about pleasure. And of course, he, he, he mentioned that he got a harem. So he's talking about sexual pleasure there. And he found pleasure in that. Right? But he found pleasure in other things. And we find pleasure in all kinds of things. Right? You know, we, and we have to be honest with ourselves about the finding pleasure in sexual stuff. Right? We're all susceptible to that. But we also find pleasure in eating. Right? Yeah, we find pleasure in gossiping about someone else because it brings them down and it makes us feel better. Right? Man, don't put any of this stuff and say, oh, that's what that person struggles with. No, we're all susceptible to this. And so if that's where we're searching for our meaning and purpose, we're in a world of hurt. And then Solomon says this in verse 24. He says, A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. So just do what you do, right? (laughs) But then he says this. He says, This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Then he says, To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So he doesn't elaborate on the the antidote, if you will, to this meaningless life. But it's very clear. He basically says, it is found in your relationship with God. And two specific uh, aspects of that relationship that we see here. We see the idea of humility because you recognize that all of this stuff doesn't lead to my happiness or my fulfillment. In other words, I can't do it on my own. Right? I cannot create my own fulfillment and my own happiness. That's what Solomon has been, was trying to do. He was trying to do it on his own. Through his wisdom, through his wealth, through seeking pleasure, through seeking power. He was doing all of it to grab 
purpose and meaning. And man, that's a very humbling thing to say, you know what, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't get enough. So we have to be humble. We have to realize, man, we can't do this on our own. And then we also have to be obedient. He says, to, this is the, the one to the one who pleases God. Now, it's important for us to understand that even whenever we're seeking after all this stuff, God still loves us. But is he pleased with that? No. Like, I mean, and that, that's, that's not a harsh thing to say. Right? Like if you see your children doing things that you know are going to make them miserable, you still love them, but are you pleased with what they're doing? Of course not. Because you know where it's headed. <laughs> right? That's exactly what we're seeing here. God knows where it's headed. And so what Solomon says is, not only do you need to be humble, but you need to start living your life in a way that pleases God. Because that is where you will find purpose, meaning, true joy, true happiness, things that last. You have to start changing your behavior to match what you believe about God. And again, we don't like doing that. We'd rather just believe in God, believe that God loves us, believe that we're going to be happy and joyful when we follow him, and then not actually make the changes necessary to, to put us in position to actually receive all of that. I encourage you to be looking at your life. Where in those places in your life are you trying to pursue contentment and pursue uh, fulfillment on your own where are you doing that we all do it somewhere and then take a step back be humble say you know what i can't do this on my own and start changing your behavior to that that god has created you to live then you will be finding purpose and meaning no matter what else is going on in the world you will be able to find meaning and life will have meaning because of what god is doing in and through you not because of what's going on in the world let's pray together thank you for listening to journey elgin come check us out we're located at 1221 north avenue c elgin texas 78621 you can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411 that's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.